every bit of that is true. Stronger than darkness, new every morning. Our sins, though they are many, God's mercy is more. That is true. There's not a one of you that can sin more than God has grace and mercy. We know that through his word teaching us. We know that through Jesus dying on the cross, a holy son of God dying for us. And God loves us so much that in the work of Christ, there is enough mercy for every one of your sins. We should turn to him. We've got a long book here that tells us that so many ways, so many times, affirms that to us, reaffirms that to us, and we are becoming stronger and stronger in the truth of God's love and his mercy for us. And that is what we want everybody to know. We want everybody to hear that. And the very idea that there are some places in the world that do not have a Bible is so sad. The very idea that there are people in the world that do not know that God has spoken is something that we want to be concerned about, we want to be involved with. I loved, Marcus, thank you for leading that up. I loved the um, uh, hearing the different languages. We know that there are people in English that have the word of God, believe it, and follow Christ. We know that there are people in Spanish, even now some in our church, praise the Lord, who have the word of God in Spanish and follow Jesus. We know that there are people who have the word of God in Greek and believe the word of God and follow Jesus. And just to reiterate, that's what, that's what Marcus uh, said, but that language that Marcus read is what your New Testament in the Bible was originally written in, Greek. So that's what he was reading. And we know that even in that Hawaiian language, uh, which was somewhat funny, right, listening to it, uh, we know that there are people that have the Bible in that language. She was reading from it, and they believe and follow Jesus. You know, she was reading that Hawaiian language. You know what I was thinking? That's not too far away from the way we talk back in North Carolina where I'm from. <laughs> I was thinking that. That just sounded like me and my friends talking a little bit. Um, but that's, that's their language. They, they read that way, talk that way, more so than, I know it resembles English, but very much so, more so that is it. There's a complete Bible that they read like that. And praise the Lord in those four languages, and, and obviously we can do a lot more, and there are, uh, in your bulletin insert there, it speaks to how many have the Bible or have a portion of the Bible. But then to think that there are some that do not. What, what is happening with them? What are their communities building themselves on? What are their families building themselves on? How do they deal with offenses? How would they ever know about forgiveness? How would they exercise it? 
How would they handle uh, sexual intimacy in a loving relationship and commitment to one another the way God would have us to understand it in the beautiful, beautiful way of God that the husband would lay down his life for his bride so that she feels loved, which we understand so well through God's love and through the gospel of Jesus. How would they understand how deep the Father's love is for us? And build a family with parenting without the word of God. I don't know. I don't know. They need the word of God. We need the word of God. And we want it to be a concern and burden of ours to be involved with it. Today, as was announced, is Bible Translation Sunday. The day that we are wanting to raise awareness for that um, Marcus didn't know I was going to say this, but Marcus and Rachel, as you've heard before, are trying to go as missionaries to translate the Bible. Marcus, just right there with, with his uh, understanding, read to you straight Greek. And there are some other people in our church who can read Greek as well. When you go through seminary Bible college, you were taught that. Marcus, you could tell, reads it really well. And Marcus is able to take both the New Testament Greek and the Old Testament Hebrew and translate that uh, into another language that he would learn. So right now he can do it in English, and as he goes and learns another language, he will be able to translate it to them. So he's going to go somewhere, they are going to move somewhere, where their language doesn't have the Bible. It'll take a little bit, but as he learns that language, wherever they move to, he will then take his Bible and translate it into their language, and then there will be another language in the world that has the Bible. And once they get the Bible and somebody preaching in their heart language, you know the power of God will change lives. You know the power of God will change lives. And so we are so excited and encouraged to even claim that we know Marcus and Rachel. They are friends of ours, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are going to go. God is leading them in this, and we want to support them. Okay, Our church has made a commitment to support them regularly. But if you would like to be involved, please do. Even if it was $10 a month or whatever you wanted to give. On that bulletin insert, on that paper at the bottom, Marcus's email is there. If you've not thought about it, this would be outstanding. Get involved with them. Be a part of their newsletter. This is something you can do with your family, with your children, with your grandkids. $10 a month or, or anything more that you can do. Email them, get lined up to do that, learn to think about them, keep up with them, pray for them. There would be no better way for you to spend a little bit of your money than to help the Bible get to people. It would truly be you supporting them, but it would truly be you supporting the Bible getting to people, which would be you supporting people coming to know Jesus. I believe that. We need to be doing that. If you're able, consider that. The email is on there. Any amount that you could give would be helpful. That got, that got me thinking about this. I mean, Fairdale is a happening place now. Uh, we have a couple restaurants. We now have two gas stations. We have a new roundabout. There's a lot going on in Fairdale, right? And God is working here. God is working here. We have Bibles all over Fairdale. This church and other churches are working so hard 
right, to help people know Jesus. We are preaching Jesus all over the place. There are people, people, people that line up here every Wednesday just to get food from us. We share the love of God with them. We talk to them about Jesus, right? That's just Wednesday with a food distribution. On Friday, every Friday during the fall, the football team from the high school walks down here. We feed all of those big boys a meal, and we tell them about Jesus. Yesterday, there was a wedding here for a family in the community. We told them all about Jesus. There's a lot going on. And it is not too far of a reach for y'all to understand that there was not a Baptist church in Fairdale 102 years ago. That's not that long ago. This church was started in 1916. We were the second church in Fairdale. Mount Holly Methodist right down the road was the first, and it was like something like 1870 or something like that. They're just a little bit older than us. So 150 years, let's say, there was not a Bible in Fairdale. And now, I mean, they're all over the place, right? In this room right now, there are easily two, three hundred Bibles right now in this room. We're all about the Bible, right? This is what we do. We read the Bible, teach the Bible, preach the Bible. We've got Bibles in every pew for you. Most of you all brought a Bible today. If anybody shows up here and doesn't have a Bible, I've got lots and lots of brand new Bibles downstairs. I would love to get them one. I'll write a note in them to it. We are all about the Bible here. Praise God that in the last hundred years, that much advancement of getting God and his word has happened right here in this small town. Do you understand that? Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that unbelievable? Some of you, all right, we have some people in our church that are approaching 90 years old, right? Some of you can remember your grandparents living here before there was a church with Bibles in Fairdale. Think about that. And now kids and young people and people all over this town know that the Bible is the word of God. Know that though their sins are many, his mercy is more because this book says it. Isn't that awesome? And think about it. If we go and labor and do the work, that will happen somewhere else. Let's dream for a minute by the mercy of God. Sometime in the next year, Marcus and Rachel will board a plane with their children and land somewhere that doesn't have the Bible. But what if in 102 years they have a Bible translation Sunday and go, some of y'all are close to 90 years old, but your grandparents can remember when we did it. Now that can happen. By God's grace and by our prayers and for his sovereign and by his sovereign plan, it's going to happen, we pray, right? Isn't that awesome? God's word is powerful. Isaiah says that it will not return void. Every time the word of God goes out, it accomplishes its purpose. It says that. It is powerful. It is alive. You cannot get away from it. 
It is one of those things where try as you might to say you don't believe it or say it's not that heavy or weighty, doesn't matter that much, you cannot get away from it. It gets down inside of you, literally alive, and goes to work inside of you, and you may be trying to affirm to yourself that you really aren't sure you don't believe, but you can't get away from the living word of God and the truth that is testifying to you that God is real. And that you have offended him, and yet he still loves you, and Jesus died to make it right. You can't escape that. It's not because of me. It's not because of us. It's because it's real. It's alive. And may we as a church have that conviction. May we want to labor in that direction. May we be so thrilled when we have a family like the Laymans who are wanting to move in that effort. And I've been praying now for a couple weeks. There are so many smart kids in this church. You don't have to be smart to do Bible translation, but it helps a lot to do Bible translation, right? Some of y'all didn't even try to read the Greek part, right? Y'all were just like, no idea, right? It's not that easy. But there are so many kids in this church, lots. Listen to me. Do you realize that every week, I praise God for this, there are 80 kids 17 and under in this church regularly. I'm not talking about football teams and dare to care. I'm talking about in worship. 80. Praise God for that. Some of y'all remember when we didn't even have a children's ministry, we had to start one, right? Some of y'all remember when we only had like this many teenagers. 80. In the nursery, we have 20 plus every single week. In the e-kids ministry, children's ministry, 20 plus every single week. In the youth ministry, 20 plus every single week, and they are growing. And out of those young people, there is totally the ability to take what they've learned and be called by God. I'm praying for that. We're not pushing anybody in that direction. We would never want somebody to go in that direction if they're not called by God to do that. We are asking, at least I am, asking God to put inside of them, we want to do that. There are kids in this church that are reading and reading and reading like that. They're popping out 500-page books every single week because they love to read, and we thank God for that. May God in his spirit call them to do his work. Some of us realize, for various reasons, we could never do that. But some of us could. And may God in his grace call us. Kids, we do not want to push you in any direction that God's not calling you. That would be worse. That would be dangerous. But by all means, kids, if God is calling you to do his work, do it. Do it. You will have our adult, us adults with your support. Bible Translation Sunday. We're supposed to begin Micah today, but I wanted to go away from that. So we're not in Micah. What it says in your bulletin is not what we're going to do. Turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 5. That is page in the Pew Bible, 1128. 1,128. I'm going to show you three different passages today. You should be familiar with all three. If you're not, then I'm so happy about that. I want to introduce them to you. 
I want to wrap up Bible Translation Sunday with how. Okay? Let me read to you a quick story. Annie woke up in a cold sweat. Her dream had felt so real. The devil had captured her, and she had run to the homes of other believers, but no one would help her. Then a man dressed in white started beckoning to her, and she went to him, thinking it was Jesus instead. He grabbed her, removed his mask, revealing himself to be the devil. Annie woke up convinced that Satan was trying to steal her out of God's hands. So she called us to ask if she could come over to pray with us. Annie and I have had conversations about the power of the Word of God and about the importance of knowing the truth in our spiritual battles. But she had never really seen practically what that looked like. She did not understand the importance of the Bible in her life. I had her read John chapter 10 out loud. Here, Jesus says that no one one that the Father has given him will be lost, and no one can take them from his hand. As Annie read, her eyes opened wider, and tears started pouring down her face. Really? Satan's not able to take me out of God's hand? Satan can never take me from God's hand, she said. Annie worried that God would get tired of her pleas for help, so I showed her Romans chapter 8. I can go confidently to God over and over, she asked. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate me from him. She also told me she was afraid that no one really loved her and that no one could. So we went to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 4, which talks about God's love for his people. Her response was the same. I am precious to God. He thinks I'm precious. I could have just told Annie these things. She would have listened because she loves and respects us. But my words wouldn't have changed her. In fact, I've told her many of those things before, but she has a hard time believing me. There's just something about the word of God itself. And until that moment, Annie did not truly understand the importance of reading and studying God's word. We sent her home with the scriptures in Russian her language of education. Now, there is a Bible in Russian. And we also gave her a copy of two books of the Bible, Luke and Acts, in her mother tongue, Dangchi. Dagchi. At first, she didn't even know what it was. It was her first language, Dagchi. She didn't know what it was. She had never seen it in a written-out form, and they had the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts in her language. They gave it to her. She didn't even know what it was. And at first, she said, I can't read this. We said, try again. Keep trying. Since the alphabet is similar to Russian, she quickly understood When she finally started to understand, she got so excited, she started bouncing up and down in her chair. It's my language. It's the scriptures in my language, she said over and over. I can't wait to share this with my mom and read it to her. They went on to provide her more and more resources. The Bible's not complete in that language yet, but there are lots of like audios available for them to hear more. Just a small picture. Obviously, her name's not really Annie. That's a made-up name for the story. But a girl that lives there in Russia who has learned Russian because that's what all the printed materials are in, but her first language is Dagchi. And somebody has translated the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And now her life is being built upon 
the word of God in a way that she gets it. She came to those people with all types of questions and insecurities. She was worried about her dreams and if they were true and she was led astray by her dreams and she was afraid that Satan had more of a grip on her life than Jesus did and the Bible teaches us that's not true and that's not possible. Now, apart from Christ, absolutely the Satan can have a grip on you. But in Christ as a believer, Satan does not have a power over you that is stronger than Jesus's. Jesus is more powerful she was able to read that and understand that. Then she led to other questions of love and separation from God and how sure and lasting it is. And she turned her to Romans 8. And when you hear the amazing love of God and that there's no condemnation and nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, all that is in Romans 8, you start asking, but me? Am, am, am I that connected to God through Christ? And they turned her to Isaiah. And there she sees, yes, you. God loves his people. And then they were able to give it to her in a way that she fully embraced. And her immediate reaction was, yes, I want more of this. Yes, I want to go read it with my mother. Yes, yes, yes. The word of God is powerful and it's alive. May we as a church understand that. May we want that same power living and working through us according to his word, by his word. And may we want it to be that way with, the, uh, with those that are around us. Now, we could go on and on with so many stories of how God is doing that around the world. But I want to show you from the Bible a couple of things. Look at Revelation chapter 5. This is that amazing scene of the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, in isolation, an exile there, and God gives him this one vision. Just a little side note, it's not revelations. Y'all love to add an S to everything. You're going to Kroger's and Myers and all that type of stuff. There's not an S on these words, all right? This is revelation. This is singular. One revelation to John, okay, one time. People don't get revelations a lot, all right? People don't, God doesn't give a lot of dreams to people, and people think, well, I had this dream last night. This is what I think I need to do. I'm pretty sure you didn't, okay? And John only had one singular revelation. And in this one, he gets to see a picture of what the throne of God is like in heaven. And believe me, it is majestic. It is overwhelming. Sometimes even hard to kind of grasp what all these things mean. But this Revelation 5 part is not that hard, okay? Verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though he had been slain. Everybody knows what that is, right? Jesus crucified. A lamb slain as though he had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. So around the throne, there are all these things. 
And the lamb slain, which is Jesus, goes to the one seated on the throne, which is the Father God, and takes the scroll. When the scroll opened up, will reveal God's revealed message for history and the, uh, uh, the outplaying of history. And he goes and takes that scroll. And there's nobody worthy to take that scroll. But the slain lamb takes that scroll from the hand of God the Father on the throne. And then everybody sings this song in heaven, verse 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And look at this. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. One of the songs in heaven around the throne focused on the crucified Jesus is that Jesus is worthy to approach God. He has given his life, slain, he had been slain on the cross, and his blood ransomed, bought, purchased, retrieved, adopted, got people for God. And in heaven, forever, in the kingdom of God, living for God, loving God, worshiping God, will be people ransomed for God. Okay, well, what is that group of people made up of? And look what it says in verse 9. People for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Does everybody see that? I didn't really grow up in church. I started really going when I was about 16 I don't remember many Bible stories that I learned growing up. When I got to college, God started working in my life big time. In the fall of 1999, attending Abraham Baldwin College in South Georgia, we would go down to Valdosta State University in very, very South Georgia to go to their campus ministry. And in the fall of 1999, I was there. I don't remember the preacher. I wish I did because I would contact him. Preacher stood up and said, if you guys don't know about Revelation 5-9, you need to know it. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Since the fall of 1999, I have never forgotten this verse. Jesus died for every type of people. Heaven will have every type of people. Wherever Marcus and Rachel go, those people, whatever color they are, whatever language they speak, there will be that people represented in heaven. There will be. If you'll turn over to chapter 7, the scene's now a little bit different. John is blown away now at what he's seeing. All of the people ransomed before the throne of God, it's unbelievable. Verse 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Y'all, there are going to be a lot of people in heaven. A number that nobody could count, he says. You remember, God promised Abraham early on it's going to be more than the stars. He promised Abraham early on it's going to be more than the sand on the sea. It's going to be a lot of people in heaven. And right here it's a number that nobody could count. But look what it says in verse 9. 
from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches with their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 5, 9, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Revelation 7, 9, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, y'all. Heaven will have all of that. What's the common denominator? Ransomed for God by the blood of Jesus. So, those people living all over the earth, speaking whatever language on the earth, doing whatever they're doing, must come to know about the blood of Jesus that ransoms. They must. And so we must go, we must labor, we must support, we must really send those who are going, but it'll happen. This year, I've got a wonderful opportunity at the high school to be the like team chaplain, the character coach is what they like to call it because it doesn't sound religious, the character coach, okay, of the soccer team. And the soccer team at the high school is as diverse as diversity can be. There are like 25 players on the soccer team, and there are 13 nationalities on that team. It's awesome. And one week, I stood there and I said, I want to show y'all what Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 say, what heaven's going to be like. There are going to be people there from everywhere. You can't find a place that won't have a representation in heaven. You can't find a language that won't have a representation in heaven. You can't find a skin color that won't have a representation in heaven. But you know what is the key to getting there? You know what is the common denominator of all of that diversity in heaven? They've come to know Jesus by the blood of Jesus that died for them awesome. So how's that happen? Well, turn with me to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. The end of Matthew, Matthew 28. Here's where Jesus sends them out, sends us out, sends them out, sends us out to go do that. If you know Revelation says that, then we want to be about that. Okay, the next time you're at Walmart, the person in line in front of you is speaking a language you don't understand, don't you dare think, what are they doing here? Why don't they speak English? Please, don't think that way. Think, I don't know what they're saying, but the slain lamb does. I don't know if they're going to heaven, but I know they could. But the lamb was slain for them too. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Does everybody see that? Make disciples of all nations. If the calling is to go and make disciples of all nations, then it should not surprise us when in the end, in the vision of Revelation, there are all nations represented. That's what he said to do. That's what his people are doing. That's why we're not surprised at all that Marcus and Rachel want to do this. This is the normal thing. This is what God said we were going to do from the beginning. He's calling people to do this. We may not know a lot of people that are, that are going, but there is a lot of going. There certainly is. In Sunday school this morning, we had a man from Venezuela tell us that God is working in Venezuela. They know a lot of disciples in Venezuela. God is working there. Praise God for that. Right? 
We have family members in our church right now who have family members that are living in other parts of the world. We have a family in China connected to our church who are working right now in China. And guess what? God's working in China. We could go on and on with this. So the commission from Jesus from the very beginning is go make disciples of all nations. This is the heart of God. And so therefore, it is the heart of the people of God. When we see a different nationality, we don't think they're odd. We think they could know Jesus. When we see somebody that's different from us, we don't think that's a problem. We think, hey, they could know Jesus. We think God loves them in the same way that he loves us. God's son Jesus died for them in the exact same way that he died for us. But how do we do that? A lot easier said than done, right? We'll turn to Acts chapter 1, and we'll end there. Acts chapter 1. you don't know, Acts is written by Luke. Acts, if you don't know this, remember this. Acts is like part two to the book of Luke. Luke wrote Luke and Luke wrote Acts. Acts is like part one, or Luke is like part one and Acts is like part two, okay? So he's just building. It's flowing right after the, the resurrection of Jesus. Start reading in verse one. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Exactly right. That's what the Gospels are like. That's what the Gospel of Luke is about. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember that, the promise of the Father. Does everybody remember that? The promise of the Father. You remember Revelation 5, 9, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation? You remember uh, Matthew 28, 18, go and make disciples of all nations? How do we do that? There's a promise of the Father coming. Look at verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So... When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel or kingdom to Israel? Y'all, they're thinking that this is it. We're kind of near the end of time. God's going to make all things right. And now the nation of Israel is going to be back all together. That's what they're thinking now. They're a long way from it. So verse 7, Jesus answers, it's not for you to know that. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But now look at verse 8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and look at this, to the end of the earth. Does everybody see that? So the calling of God in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations is not a shot in the dark. It is not a long shot, far off dream that we could never really figure out how to do it. It is the calling and commissioning of Jesus to his people that God has promised that the Father, that's what verse uh, 4 says, that the Father has promised 
He will empower, he will supply, he will equip, he will cause, he will make happen through his people, which guarantees us that that Revelation 5, 9, 7, 9 will come to pass. The calling in Matthew 28 is supplied and empowered by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, 8, so that whenever the end time comes and we get to heaven, Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 will happen, will be completed, will be accomplished. So here's what we're saying. Is it hard for a family like the Laymans to up and leave and go to a Muslim country, to a language they've never even tried to speak before, and root themselves there, learn a language, get the Bible translated, start preaching and all? Is that hard? Absolutely it's hard. Is it impossible? Not close. God is supplying the work. We have people that want to. We have people that can. We're almost there with all the funding. And they have, are, and will continue to receive power that will take them to the end of the earth that will cause them to make disciples of all nations so we're one step closer to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Do you understand that? It's pretty simple. It's an overview, but it's heavy. It's serious, but it's good. When you consider the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. You know what happens? When his word is preached, that powerful father in heaven causes people to believe. He does. He does. He does. He does. And so may we be a people here today in Fairdale who say, I love the word of God. It has brought life to my soul. It has revealed to me Jesus as the king of my life, as my secure savior and way to eternal life with the Father God in heaven. And because I've come to know him, I want everybody else to know him. Even those who live so far away, live so differently from me, can't understand a lick of English and I can't understand a lick of their language. I want them to know Jesus. Church, may our heartbeat truly be we want people to know Jesus and may our next step be they need the word of God. May God do that in us. If you're here today and you're thinking about Bible translation, you're thinking about the need of the Word of God, and yet you don't know Christ, I encourage you today to trust in Him. If you've not become a committed follower of Jesus, do it. Turn from your sins. Know that though your sins are many, His mercy is more. He will receive you. And then, with the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit in your life, then you can be even more active, proactive, involved with helping people get the word of God. Next week, we'll get back to the book of Micah. But today, may God give us a heart for people knowing his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, which is such a revealer to us of truth, reality, what we need, what the world needs, how things are.
Father, thank you that we have come to know that you are holy. We have sinned. There's grace in you. Jesus died for us. Oh, Father, thank you for forgiveness. Father, if there's anybody here today who needs to be forgiven of their sins and turn to you, lead them to you. Father, if there is anybody in here who even has the slightest interest or desire to be involved with Bible translation, Father, take the seed and cause it to grow in them. Father, raise up more people eager and willing to be involved. Father, raise up people here today that will support the layman's. Father, keep the layman's close to you as they go to do this work. Father, make our church a church burdened, convicted for the word of God. Father, thank you for giving us your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.